Throughout the season of Lent, we're going to be looking at passages from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapters 10 through 16. And uh, this really is the story of, of Jesus' kind of final trip to Jerusalem, these chapters. And the text for tonight is, is really the text that's at the beginning of that journey as Jesus and his entourage are leaving Jericho and they encounter a, a blind man uh, on their way out of town, or rather he encounters them in some ways. Uh, but the, the section just before this story of Bartimaeus and uh, by the side of the road is, is in chapters eight through 10, and, and it is a section that embodies Jesus and his disciples kind of on the road and in the boat uh, going across to the other side, um, just this series of sort of unrelated boat journeys. But when Jesus gets to the other side a, a couple of times, actually three times, he tells them what's going to happen to him when he goes into Jerusalem, that he's going to suffer and die and be raised on the third day. And, and what's interesting about this section is that every single time the disciples hear this, they say something insufferably stupid and pretty much point out the fact that they cannot at all comprehend what Jesus is talking about. But ironically, this section in eight through 10 begins and ends with the healing of a blind man. And what is clear is that the two blind men in the story, who are the bookends of the story, see more than the disciples see. And we see that tonight in the story of Bartimaeus. This story follows the third passion prediction, which is going to be our text uh, for this Sunday. So I won't say anything more about that. But Bartimaeus encounters Jesus, and then the journey begins toward Jerusalem. So let me read Mark 10, 46 through 52. They came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and followed Jesus on the way. Let's pray. Uh, we would see you, Lord Jesus. So by your spirit, open our eyes, give us new insight, deepen our awareness, help us to understand more fully what it means to cry out for mercy to you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So I've talked about it enough now, so most people know that Marianne and I volunteer as volunteer puppy raisers for Guide Dogs for the Blind, and you've seen Wailea here on, on Sundays or heard her 
It has really made our world bigger, but we recently had an experience that made it even bigger because the man who got Latifa, our last dog who we sent back in August and she graduated in November, his name is Mike, and Mike lives in Oakland uh, and works in San Francisco and was just thrilled to be connected with his third dog who was Tifa, our guide dog puppy that we raised. And Interestingly enough, the, the disease, the retinal disease that Mike has, his sister also has, and she has a guide dog as well, uh, and she and her husband, Mike, also a Mike, live here in Seattle. And so we hosted Allison and Mike, Allison's husband, and their guide dog, Sarge, uh, came to our house for dinner uh, in January. And I have to say that that experience was one of those kinds of experiences that, that makes your world bigger. That all of a sudden you understand some things that you didn't understand before and you have questions to ask that you didn't know to ask before and suddenly the work of raising guide dog puppies became very real and very concrete and uh, here we were sitting with someone who could tell us more than we could ever know about what our dogs need to know when they graduate. And it was just fun to be with them. And we learned not only more about the world that we need to know about in order to be puppy raisers, but we learned about the limits and yet also about the independence and the freedom of the folks who will receive the puppies who sojourn with us for a while. And we learned about how much Allison and Mike see, if you will, even though their eyes do not work like my eyes work. We saw their intuition, their insight, their awareness of things that was deeper than our own in some ways, and an acute hearing and an ability to track the conversation and listen in ways that often get lost in a normal dinner party. And the story of Bartimaeus is the story of a blind man who sees, who sees some things that no one else is really perceiving in the moment. He sees some things that others in the story are unable to perceive. What he sees is Jesus, or who he sees is Jesus. And he understands something about Jesus that emboldens him to make a nuisance of himself as the crowd goes by. I was at a retreat once where one of the little exercises that the retreat leader gave us is um, they made us uh, kind of walk in a circle while we read this passage, all of us loudly reading the passage. And just to kind of create the cacophony of what's going on as, as Jesus passes by. And what came through loud and clear as we did this was each time one of us landed on that, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And that's exactly what happens in this story is that that pierces uh, the awareness of everyone as Bartimaeus cries out. And what he does is he articulates who he knows Jesus to be. Jesus, son of David, Jesus, Messiah, Jesus, Savior, Jesus, King. Listen to me, attend to me, have mercy on me. Cast your gaze in this direction and show me 
some kindness. And he understands and asks for what we all need. Bartimaeus really articulates the prayer that is the stem cell of all prayer. Lord, have mercy on me. He articulates that truth about prayer, that prayer is something that begins and ends really with that request for mercy, God's notice, God's kindness, God's embrace. Pay attention, please. Listen to me. Notice me. Notice me even though the rest of the world is content to leave me on the margins, is what Bartimaeus is saying. And leave me on the margins because they're unable to fix me and they're more comfortable when they can ignore me. Their advice to me is to keep quiet, to not bother the rabbi with my insoluble problem. But he persists nevertheless and cries out. And it's after the first part of his prayer is answered, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, that he articulates the second part of his prayer at the invitation of Jesus. What is it that you want me to do for you? Lord, let me receive my sight. Once shown mercy, once heard, he throws off his cloak when everyone says, you know, you can go over there. He's calling you. He's, he's, he's heard you. Go. And the throwing off of the cloak is not the throwing off of what he's wearing. It's the moving of what he's using to catch the money that he's begging for. So it's as if the cloak, his, his means of income, is moved to the side in order to make way to go toward the one who is calling him. Bartimaeus is heard. He throws off his cloak. And there's a certain recklessness in it all. It's kind of a risk. It's trusting this one with his deep desire to receive mercy and ultimately to see. There's an old hymn that's titled, There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. It's a great hymn. But I think we should write a version of it that says there's a wildness in God's mercy. Something a little surprising, uncontrollable, wild. Because in the noise of that crowd, this merciful son of David hears the otherwise ignorable cries of someone on the margins. And it stops him in his tracks. It's illustrating that our cries for mercy stop God in, their, in his tracks and turn his heart and his head in our direction. Because it's the prayer that is the beginning of all prayer. Lord, recognize me, hear me, be kind to me. Let me know that you're there. What we observe tonight on Ash Wednesday is that this cry for mercy is a universal prayer. We admit that we all need that mercy because we are all dust or have come from the dust and to dust we will return. We're all limited human beings. But we also acknowledge that God hears our cries 
And God responds out of an abundance of love that can never be exhausted. So let's let the words of Psalm 130 close this sermon and be our prayer. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. Wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in God's word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. More than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Amen. We come now to the time to receive the mark of ashes. Uh, let me just say a few words uh, about this. Um, tonight, uh, if you choose to come forward, um, uh, if you do not want the ashes placed on your forehead, you can also have them placed on your, your wrist. Just hold your wrist out to me, and um, I will do that. I'll be applying the ashes with a swab. Uh, just so that I'm not touching everyone's forehead. Um, and um, so you each have your own personal ash swab tonight. Um, uh, but irrespective of the, the kind of um, cleanliness of something that is meant to remind us that we are dirt, <laughs> uh, I... Um, I just want to say that, that what we are doing is just acknowledging our mortality in this act. For those of you that are on Zoom and, and watching, perhaps you came by the church today to get some ashes, and uh, if you're watching with someone, um, apply the ashes uh, to one another, um, or uh, to yourself if you're watching by yourself. Um, but this is our uh, union point tonight, in that we admit that we are from the dust and to dust we will return. So um, let's together say the unison prayer in preparation for this, and uh, then I will move to the head of the table and, and uh, whoever would like to come forward to receive the sign of ashes may do so. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. May these ashes remind us of our mortality and penitence and teach us again that only by your gracious gift are we given everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.